Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs creating the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm Emily Aborn, and along with my co-host, Crystal Farley, we are here to give you the roadmap to success and the tools you need to build whatever this means for you. Welcome back, Crystal. How are you today? I am doing well, Emily. How are you? I am fine also. Well, also on this lovely Wednesday. It's quite fall outside, I've noticed. It's chilly. Yeah. But it's beautiful. Did you notice the colors? Yeah. It's really a nice chilly. It's not too chilly yet. I have to share. I thought of you this morning. Oh, gosh. So I get up, you know, really early and I walk my dog and the sun is rising and the color of the leaves on the trees was the color of the She Built This logo. Oh my goodness, I love that. It was like made to be that you were here today. It was beautiful. (laughs) Um, You do know that I used to own a mattress store, right? Yes. Okay, in Salzburg Square in Amherst. Yes. I know, I I tell, you know, I have to remind you of this a lot. But um, so basically what we offered was like a healthy sleep alternative for mattresses that didn't have toxins and off-gassing and things like that. So when we were closing up our store and trying to decide what we were going to do next, I used to have this idea of like this made in New Hampshire store where everything in the store was crafts and maple syrup and spices and wines and cheese and like all things procured from New Hampshire, right? Um, You know, actually, the bread that you brought me today, Crystal makes this bread called Good Guts Bread, which is supposed to give you like amazing guts, I think. Um, I would have your bread in there and your granola and my macaroons, all these things. I think you should open that. Uh, No, because I can't. Because actually, (laughs) there's already a made in New Hampshire store or yeah. And the other thing is, I don't want to work in a retail store. Boundaries. The reason I'm even bringing all this up is because today we have Heidi Copeland on our show, and Heidi is the publisher of Business New Hampshire Magazine, a monthly business magazine, and honestly, it's one of my favorite magazines, and I love the editor. Um, The editor writes like his notes in the beginning, Matt Mowry, and they're so good and well-written and funny. So she is the president of Milliard Communications in Manchester, and she spent most of her career in journalism since graduating from the University of Southern California. You have to hear, she has had a job as a police reporter and a photojournalist. And now with Milliard Communications, she produces many events, including, wait for it, Made in New Hampshire Expo and the Made in New England Expo, both of which celebrate locally produced goods and services. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you. What do you think about my idea for the retail store? I do love it, but I think somebody's already done that. Yeah, I think it's actually (laughs) called Made in New Hampshire. Um, I was thinking mine would be called Tucked in New Hampshire because my store was Tucked in Organics and it would have been a nice transition. Like the play on words there. That's great. Thank you. It's there. It's in the universe. It's going to happen. All right. So Heidi, before we get into your story and background, tell us a little bit about the background of Business New Hampshire Magazine. So I'm almost embarrassed to say how old we are, but we turned 35 this year in December. 
And we've been publishing this magazine, and it just continues to thrive and reach different audiences and multiple generations. And half of our readers are under 40. So we're glad that millennials love our magazine. How did you find yourself um, with Milliard Communications? Well, I was working in Boston, and um, my husband said to me, wouldn't it be great if I lived if we could actually live together because I lived in Boston during the week and came up for the weekends, which I might add leads to a very romantic marriage. But I thought maybe it would be a good change for us to live in this live and work in the same state. So I came back to New Hampshire looking for a job, got a job at Business New Hampshire magazine. And then five years later, I was I don't I get restless like most entrepreneurs and I was looking around for another job, and my then boss uh, pulled me aside into a meeting and said he was going to sell the company, and would I be interested? What kind of feelings did that give you? Terror. First of all, I had no idea what it was like to buy a company. I had started businesses, but I had never bought a company, so that was terrifying. And then I thought the logical question is, well, how much are you asking? And when he gave me the price, I could feel my stomach fall to the, you know, just fall like there's no way I'm ever going to come up with that money. But I called people I knew that were experts and could guide me and got advice. And in six months, I was the walked out with the paper that said I was the owner. Do you mind how I ask um, how you got funding or what that process looked like? Yeah. So um, he had said $1.1 million, which is a terrifying amount of money. And I knew there was no way that I could fund that. And I went to the Small Business Development Center and for a cup of coffee, got about six months of advice from this woman. I reached out to a bank executive I knew and just started having the conversation, what's involved in borrowing money. And then I bought the book, Women in Negotiating. And I spent three months negotiating the price till basically I got it to half that price. And then I and then I could do the financing and get the get a loan. That's impressive. Yeah, that book is phenomenal. What do you think was the biggest thing you learned from the book? I think that it's okay to walk away at any point. So you can't be so attached to a particular outcome. And I think often as women, we want everything to be nice. And so we want to give a little to make everybody happy in the room. But it's okay to say, let me think about it, or this isn't working for me, but I don't want to put this to bed, but I'm going to leave the meeting and look into things. I read a lot of um, Chris Voss. He talks a lot about negotiating. So I wonder if you'll agree with this. He says that the first person to give their final number, the first person to give the number loses. Do you agree with that? It's so interesting. I love that. Well, that happened. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened. He gave the first number. Well, I guess when you're negotiating, that sort of makes sense, but it's a really powerful statement to put out there because I don't think you necessarily consider it, right? Sure. It's definitely not. And also, I find myself giving a number and then being like, darn it, why did I say that? I know I'm going to (laughs) lose. Well, and women often sabotage their salaries. Here in New Hampshire, women still make 76 cents on a dollar that a man makes. 
And it's often because we fail to negotiate and um, or throw something out before really having a sense of what the job pays. Um, tell us a little bit about what the magazine does, because it's not just a magazine. You also run events and you have really awesome competitions. So tell us a little bit about that and, and what the mission and purpose of it is. Yeah. So our our mission is to celebrate and elevate doing business in New Hampshire. So to that end, everything we do is even the Made in New Hampshire Expo, which is a three-day expo, 18,000 people. We noticed in the last couple of years, uh, tons of younger people coming that had either been coming as they had come there as kids um, and now are coming as adults or they just want to support buying local. But so in our monthly magazine, um, we're featuring things that help p- business owners and managers run their businesses better. And... I think our our mission is to tell great stories. So sometimes you need to know things that you don't want to learn because they're boring. For example, labor law. But that's a big factor if you're an employer. So we have to write about labor law in a way that's entertaining for people and engaging enough that people will continue to read the story and get the information they need to thrive. Tell me a little bit more. Okay, so Will, what is, what is it like to plan such a huge event? I mean, 18,000 people is unfathomable to me right now in event planning. So how did you make that happen? Well, you know, it it does take time and you don't, we just launched the Made in New England two, this will be our third year in 2019. And we were lucky we had the template for Made in New Hampshire, but I would say it all comes down to a timeline and having everything on there. So when our events people come in on a given day, they're looking at that timeline and know exactly what needs to be done. And if we've forgotten something, hopefully either somebody remembers, but uh, it gets added to the next year so we don't make that mistake twice. How many people are on your team as a whole? Uh, 10 people. 10. All right. Um, tell us a little bit more about some of the competitions that you run. Like you do the best of New Hampshire, and I'd love to hear what the process is and what opportunities there are for business owners, because I think it's a really good way for them to get their name out there. So we often feature like the top women-led businesses, which we just did in October. We do the best companies to work for in New Hampshire, which that was an event we had two weeks ago with 360 um, or 370 people because right now people want to be a best company or a best place to work because they're trying to attract employees. So uh, we also will do things like the top law firms in New Hampshire, but we just try to show to business owners and managers what New Hampshire has. And people are often shocked at like what's made here in New Hampshire, what companies are here, what job opportunities are here. 98,000 New Hampshire people cross the border just into Massachusetts every day. That doesn't even count the commuters to Maine and Vermont, of which there I think are another 25,000. So I think a lot of times people don't know the opportunity that's here. It's funny. Um, when I was in 
college, all I could think about was getting out of New Hampshire. You know, that was just, it was the last place I wanted to be. But I had, then I spent the next five years or so seeing other parts of the world. And I realized New Hampshire is the only place that I want to be. And I love that there are so many opportunities here. And the business, it's really like a business community that I think we're starting to develop and thrive with. I couldn't agree more. I, when I was 18, I went to California. I couldn't wait to get out of this state. And I, it took me many years to come back. And I actually came back because of a job. And I got the job. And then I fell in love and ended up staying. But um, but I, I, I sometimes disagree, and this is controversial, with everybody that wants to keep kids here. Like when they graduate high school, they shouldn't leave or... Because I actually think, you know, going out and getting exposure to other ideas and bringing them back makes us so much better. And diversity in thought is so key to the success of anything. When you were talking about uh, Matt Mowry, our editor, and, and writing, and I've worked with him for many years, and he keeps me entertained just like with those notes. But when he all of a sudden, he and his wife adopted uh, two boys, and he's had his hands full. They were trying to adopt one child, and they got asked to take two um, because they were siblings. But he's just brought forth like just this other element of himself, but also even in terms of what we cover. So talking about early education and how that affects our workforce. So everybody's experience adds to the mix to make us all better. I think that's there's a couple points that are pretty interesting. I don't know if you know this, but if you're a part of an Amish community, they actually require you to leave the community. Oh, I think I saw a TV show like yeah, that, so a reality it's, But it's show. to ensure that they're going to, you're, they're committed to the culture and that sort right. of thing. But I think that you're right. And it's also important for them to have those experiences to ensure that they're choosing the right path. Right. So if you leave and come back, you are more committed to the sustainability of the state. Right. Um, and I think the other thing, you know, I guess I want to ask you is, you know, I was one of those people that was one of the 98,000 people that was commuting into Boston when I first moved up here. Uh, and I, I wasn't aware of the opportunities in New Hampshire, living in Nashua the entire time that I've lived up here. How do you think um, how do you think that our communities are able to find this information? Like, what is the best way? Because I know that there's the, the print magazine. It's hard for me to find. Like, I haven't seen an issue for me to get, you know, the last week or so. Um, so I'm just curious what you think, how you could recommend people learn more about your, you know, the, the magazine and opportunities in New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and a, a lot of people who don't want print, they just want digital. So we we do post a minimum of three story New Hampshire based stories a day on our website at businessnhmagazine.com. And then we also have a weekly newsletter um, that goes out every Friday that you can subscribe to by going on our website. But of course, we're going to encourage you to go to the print magazine because that's where the most in-depth con content is. So, what other? What do you think are some resources for New Hampshire business owners that you highly maybe you rely on them, um, but maybe they're just things that you recommend. You had talked about the SBDC before. Uh, what other things would you steer people towards? You know, I think um, the just I have to give a pitch for the Small Business Development Center. 
it's free. You're getting somebody who's a CPA and an MBA and such a depth of knowledge and can look at what your questions objectively. So a couple of years ago, we were launching a product. And, you know, basically, if somebody comes up with an idea in our office, we try it. Because, you know, if you're in publishing, what have you got to lose? So we try every idea. So we were going to launch this publication. And I went to the SBDC counselor who then could kind of walk us through the process. And then we could make the decision more realistically. Even though we knew publishing, we were jaded because we were enthusiastic about the idea. So, But also there's SCORE. I've never worked with SCORE, but I know I belong to a CEO peer-to-peer group, and one of my peers works with a SCORE advisor. And I highly, I've belonged to a CEO peer-to-peer group since I bought the company 10, uh, 12 years ago, however many, eight years ago. Um, I highly encourage people to go in someplace where you can speak completely openly and know that nothing leaves that room with people yeah with your peers I totally agree with you yeah so that would be those are probably three areas and then New Hampshire has a gazillion organizations geared to help you with your specific needs and we print those in our resource guide. <laughs> Sorry, oh, nice. shameless pitch. No, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> this is, yeah. You don't need to be, sh- you don't need to have shame. Okay, um, no shame. I kind of want to dig into just one little story from your past. I want to hear what it was like being a police uh, police reporter. Well, actually, and this was out in Los Angeles, so it could actually be quite gruesome. And sometimes we would read these, and sometimes the the police reports would read like a fascinating crime novel, and sometimes they were genuinely, you had to put it down and think about, how am I going to write about this, that readers will read about it. But I did find that, you know, it was, it never got tiring, because I you just learned so much about crime. And I know maybe that doesn't sound like such a good thing, but it's fascinating. And I could see how somebody would go into a career like forensics. My husband loves those real crime podcasts. It's like a whole underground world. They have like their lingo and everything. Well, and to even think that a lot of those stories are true stories. Right. And that they act like, how do they actually happen? I'm I'm a little bit of a binger too when it comes to those podcasts. But I mean, it's just the psychology of it all. And it's just it is it's completely fascinating. Yeah, I'm a podcast addict because I have a um, I'm in the car at least two hours a day. And so I definitely have listened to a few of those. Okay, tell us some of your favorite podcasts. In the dark. Have you listened? I don't think so. It is fascinating and informative. Um, right now, I'm listening to Spectacular Failures, which is actually business stories that are that have failed, but they weave in uh, MBA kind of knowledge into the story. Ooh, I'm going to write that down. And, and, um, and then I listen to things that are relevant to our career, like uh, On the Media, The Moth, and some of the traditional ones. But you know. Do you mind if I ask you a question about failure? Sure. What do you think was a failure that you had to face? And then how did you bounce back from it? 
I got fired four times in my 20s. So when people talk about millennials, I I get a little defensive because I feel like people don't understand how much, you know, I was a late bloomer and I really didn't know what I was necessarily doing wrong. I But obviously I did enough wrong that I got fired from four jobs. It was devastating personally and it led to a real internal crisis that I had to really figure out what it was I wanted to do with my life, what I was good at. And also, I had to come to terms with how do you build self-esteem when it can't be dependent on what other people think. But I, I sometimes think also that now that staying in a job that's not a fit is worse than getting fired or quitting. I agree. Um, what did you do right after getting fired, let's say from the fourth job? How did you get back on your, how did you build that self-esteem back up? Because I think after a failure, you really can lose a sense of your identity and what are people going to think of me? What am I, now what do I think of myself? Well, I actually took, I think it was six months off. I did 20 hours of volunteer volunteering at a halfway house to see if maybe I wanted to go into social work or to become a psychologist. No, but I did, I did do that for six months. And then I also uh, waitressed. So I was bringing in money and waitressing was a job. I, you know, friendly. I like people. I could, it was fun. It was energetic. Uh, people in restaurants are really fun to party with. So, and I think that gave me the time to get my feet back on the ground and then really be thoughtful and mindful about what I was, you know, when I started looking for jobs, what I was going to take. Have you ever waitressed, Crystal? Oh, yeah, I it, absolutely have. It has got to be. I mean, I think everybody should do it because it gives you customer service skills. It gives you organization skills. It gives you that, you know, you go back and forth to the kitchen like 16 times for one table. It gives you this like grit that you can never get any other way. You're mopping the floor at 2 a.m. and you're like, my life is over. <laughs> um, I, I highly recommend that job. Like that is, I think that's how I figure figured out what I wanted to do by just so many floor moppings at two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, well, I know it's not this. So, but I think to your, like to that point though, like to pick yourself up and put yourself out there. Cause it is a profession where you need yeah. to be comfortable putting yourself out there. You got a lot out of that, like from a connections, you going out and hanging out, making friends and that sort of thing. So instead of like hiding, which you maybe did for a little while, you got out there and put yourself out there. So good for you. So, and I actually think um, being in the restaurant industry, it's very transactional. If you're really good, I mean, most of the time people's tips do reflect service, maybe not as much now, but you quickly learn, like, you got to work it, you know, because you need that money to pay the rent. And I think it teaches you a lot about mindset, because if you're having a bad day, people are picking up on that. And they're like, wow, this person is rude, you know. So yes, I completely agree with you. And if you don't show up the way that you want to be perceived, your money is going to reflect that. Can you tell us what the next level is for Business New Hampshire magazine or for you professionally? That's a tough question. I 
I don't know. I love what I do. We're always looking at tweaking what we do. So I don't, we've got a couple of ideas in the hopper for a couple of big events, but New Hampshire is limited on event space. And I looked into investing in event space, but I wasn't ready to drop 200,000 for it. So I think we continue to tweak. And one thing about journalism, it's never the same story. Things change from month to month and year to year. So I think just evolving what we write about and who we're writing for as new generations come up and, and need different kinds of information. I love that. Um, all right. So tell our listeners how we can find the magazine, how we can help you and connect with you. So you can get the magazine online and we sell back copies and also subscriptions. But we do sell in two bookstores in New Hampshire. Um, one is Water Street Books in Exeter and one is Steel Bookstores in Peterborough. And if you're a bookstore out there, we'd love to sell it in your bookstore. So let us know. <laughs> I love Steel's. It's like a stationery and bookstore. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Heidi. It was really great talking to you, and we appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more information on the She Built This podcast, you can check us out online at www.shebuiltthis.org. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.